Welcome to the Data Podcast. My name is Brian Ward, the creator and host of the Data Podcast. I am a coach, Marine Corps veteran, speaker, husband, and you guessed it, a dad. Are you ready to be inspired to be the best dad you can be for your family? This show will provide you with the tips, tools, and strategies to do just that. Are you a dad just going through the motions? Or are you looking to really elevate your dad game to the next level? Truth is, it is a blessing to be a dad. This is a responsibility we must take seriously. In the end, how do you want to be remembered? I hope you want to be remembered as a phenomenal dad. Your legacy starts in the home, not outside the home. If you're really ready to elevate your dad game, then make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get started. Data. Welcome to another episode of Data, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. As always, I have a phenomenal guest on my show, somebody who is uh, just leading the charge and the stuff that he's doing that he's going to dive into. We're going to talk a little bit about, but he and I have been pretty good social media friends for quite a while. Uh, we've shared a lot with each other over social media, and I'm really excited to finally have him on because he's a busy guy. But my good friend, Lawrence, thank you very much for joining me, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on the show and excited to, um, to have a chat today. Awesome. All right. So you're coming all the way from uh, uh, New Zealand. And yeah. uh, you're doing a lot of things, man. You got your hands in a lot of areas that you're just—I mean—you're making headway, and I'm, I'm really pleased to see the success that you're that you that you have going right now. But mm-hmm. before we get into all that, my listeners, my viewers may not know who you are. Let's talk a little bit about your back history, kind of how you grew up, things you kind of went through, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously into what you're doing now, and then also about your kids. Ah, thanks much, Brian. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, my name's Lawrence Lotz. I was born um, and raised in Cape Town, South Africa. So you can see that actually the photo, if you're watching the video, of Table Mountain behind me. That's what I used to wake up and look at uh, most days. Um, and, and obviously raised in, in South Africa till uh, my late teens before I moved over to Auckland, New Zealand, uh, where I am now to uh, start and raise a family. But it just a sort of a backstory on, you know, being raised in South Africa brings you up in a in a different sort of way and drive and motivation. Um, and I've spoken about this previously on shows. People say, okay, you know, why does it always seem like South Africans are always 100 miles an hour, or always pushing really hard? And it's it's not that we we we're pushing for success. Um, you don't realize living in a country where there's such a vast difference between the top or the bottom, um, the crime rate, the economy, that if you don't try and drive yourself, even as a youngster and as a kid and as a family, the the culture and society consumes you. Um, so, um, and people are quite weird. I know in America, um, you're allowed to carry firearms um, freely if you want, if you've got a license. In South Africa, it's the same. Um, but I remember as a kid growing up with my dad having a firearm on, him, on his side and we went out and went to a restaurant at still being there um, because that was the, a lot of the normality um, that was raised as, as, as kids or um, in that society. And as well as then being pushed um, growing up of always be the best you can be, always do the most so that when you get to the age, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't realize I'd be leaving the country. But when I got through high school or university, I'd be able to get a really good job or really be able to take my life that next step that the the country itself wouldn't consume me or take me in like it does for a lot of people that unfortunately don't push hard enough. Um, So it instills this sort of continuous 
um, 100 mile per hour drive that you have to keep going, you have to keep going, you have to keep going. Um, and it also uh, resonates with one of the big things like my dad taught me about um, an ever ready battery. He told me when I was a kid, he said, Lawrence, I want you to be like an ever ready battery, no matter what you're doing or where you're doing anything in the world. And as a kid, I'd said to my dad, I said, what are you talking about an ever ready battery? He goes, I need you to make sure that whatever you're doing, you're always ready that what you're seeking or going after or what you want, if that presents itself today, you're ready for it. So if you want to make a sports team as a 15 or 16 year old, or you want to make, you know, your your first 11, first 15, depending on what sport you play. And if you want to be a, start a company, if you want to get promoted, or if you want to uh, be successful or come into wealth, you need to be ready for that at any one stage. And that was taught to me very young, um, as a very young teen, actually. So that installed in me of always wanting to go 100 miles an hour and uh, and build off that. And I remember when I was 15, I started my first business. I ran a tuck shop. Uh, I think you guys might call them tuck shops, right? We sell food, food to kids. So I was in boarding school and I um, went to a company that would sell uh, food products or chocolates and chips and all the snacks that tuck shops would have, but they couldn't resell them because the box or the packaging was damaged. So they were nothing wrong with them other than they couldn't retail them to the retail stores. So I would go buy them at like one fifth the cost, take them to my school, and then would on sell them at double what I paid or triple what I paid, which is still half the cost of what the kids could get it at. And at the age of 15, this I realized that this started my first thing of actually making real money. And I was making a lot of times more in a week than a lot of my uh, adult, my parents' friends were making a month because I had a couple of hundred kids in the hostel. And outside of the lunchtime or outside of the evening time, I was the only one access to foods and snacks. And it got and it got so big that I literally had five or seven um, um, first what we would call grade uh, grade nine or first year in high school. I had them running around, literally um, getting my orders, taking orders, and completing a whole lot of stuff like that. And this was as 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 fifteen or sixteen because that was instilled of find something, do it, and always keep um, going with that. Um, which what drove, which is a great learning. Um, and part of it, but also then drove this big thing that became and almost consumed me now that I look back of it into my late teens and 20s. So successful at that. I was successful at sport, making rep teams and national level uh, national level sport teams. I went into university um, and then got into my sort of my early 20s. Uh, met my my wife when I came over to New Zealand on first year, met, uh, met her year. I went back to South Africa to finish my university degree. And we finally decided, okay, cool, we'll come back to New Zealand to raise a family because we didn't want to raise a family in South Africa just with the the violence and the cultural differences and all the rest of it. But to me, it was still like, okay, go 100 miles an hour, go full speed, crush everything you can do. So I, I started setting myself goals going, okay, young family. Um, got married when I was 23. Had a, I had my, my daughter was a year later. My son was a couple of years later. I was in my mid 20s. I was like, okay, great. Um, become self employed. That happened a couple of years later. Buy my first property. That happened a couple of years later. Become a property investor. Um, you know, that happened again a couple of years straight after that. And the whole, all of this thing in my 20s was just go, go, go. And everything that I put in front of me fundamentally led me, uh, I, got, I got it out of the way. I knocked it out of the way. But then the ego just started consuming this going oh i i have a goal 
I'll knock it out of the way. I would go and knock out of the way. And it's not going to stage that by my late 20s, literally anything I had said I would do, I'd done it. And it was like, I'm unstoppable. Um, I'm I'm amazing. So the whole, the ego monster of myself, I think back of what I would have been in my 20s would have been real, I would have been a real dick. Right. <laughs> and not a pleasant person, unfortunately, to be around. Um, but that was just from me taking a lot of what I'd um been learned in my teenage years and then never been humbled but the humbling came don't worry the humbling does come humbling comes in my 30s and it comes massively but that's a that's a real interesting thing of when you when you raise with kids and going in 20s of going on one pendulum you almost always have to be humbled to understand how it works both sides to understand where you find your place and so forth wow um Gosh. Okay. So I, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Bert, let me ask you this though, before we got in, yeah. how, how old are your kids? Um, so my daughter just turned 14 and my boy turns 11 in about a week. Oh, so you're right in the thick of things right now. <laughs> <laughs> the teenage years. That's, yeah. uh, that's awesome. Just, let, let's just, let's, let's just say to any parent, I'm trying to smile and say the right. great years. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just going to say good luck with the teenagers. Right? <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. So let's kind of, let's kind of rewind a little bit. I mean, yep. you're talking about, um, I, I love the ever ready, uh, analogy. I really love mm -hmm. that. That's, that's, that's cool. Um, but you're growing up in an environment where it's constantly go at hundred percent, uh, hundred mm -hmm. miles an hour. I mean, for a young child, for a young man, that's gotta be pretty overwhelming because you find yourself essentially trying to at a compete at a high level in everything mm -hmm. that you do. Yep. And for a young man or a young child, that's a lot to take on. That's a lot of responsibility. Um, yeah. how, I mean, did your dad help you through that kind of uh, challenge or was there something else or how did you get through that? Yeah, I mean, it's so true. Everything becomes very competitive. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the saying keeping up with the Joneses um, mm -hmm. is a very big sort of South African cultural thing, right? Uh, who's, you know, when 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 she became late in teens, who's got the better car? Who's got the bigger house? Who's got the looks like better performing? And it's all it's all BS because it's all literally fake money and you're doing that sort of stuff. But yeah, growing up as a kid, I, I was lucky that um, I was... I was decent. I was really good at sport at the sport I played for. So I played national level um, baseball. Um, I played baseball for most of my teens and in my twenties, as well as uh, rugby union. So I was I was good at the sport level to be able to go rep level and get up there. And I had a bit of brain, so I could push myself into those levels um, and um, and and maintain it and control it and and push through from there. But it doesn't mean everyone else can. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of kids I saw went up to a level and then just couldn't handle and walked away. Um, a friend of mine, I grew up through high school was one of the best kids I'd ever seen in a, uh, in rugby union in the sport. Um, I think mm -hmm. he would have gone on to be one of the greatest players if he ever carried on. He did it through high school. And as soon as he left high school and got into university and fundamentally moved out of mom and dad's house and out of mom and dad's control, he gave up the sport. But he was literally one of the best players I'd ever seen. And it was because he did it because it was forced on him and that was the expectations. But now um, he was one that was smart enough to realize that as I step away and I can make my own rules, I can decide if I want to continue it or not. And unfortunately, 
you get the strong kids that can make those decisions and you get the other ones that don't. And then they just get consumed by it and taken in by it. And, and it, then they just get knocked down and knocked down and knocked down. And when they get to 19, 20, going to university, they just literally almost flutter in the world and don't know where they find themselves. Yeah, no, I think that, I think you're absolutely right. I, I you know, I've coached uh, sports mm-hmm. for many, many years, 20 plus years in, yep. in coaching. Uh, my boys are 24 and 21 and I coached them since they were four years old, all the way up through high school. Yep. Uh, and even, even after my boys were in college, I was still coaching at the high school level. Um, but I do see that when, during my years of coaching, I saw and witnessed firsthand parents pushing their kids so hard, mm-hmm. uh, go, 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 be the best work, yeah. practice, practice, practice. I mean, they're just drilling these, you know, for me, it was at the time it was baseball, just drilling baseball. They're constantly yeah. on the move and the kids can't keep up. The kids are yeah. getting, they're getting to a level where they're getting burnt out. You can see it. You can see the mm-hmm. anguish on their face. You can see the frustration in their face, how tired they are at practices or games because they're constantly being pushed by their parents. Mm-hmm. And, Unfortunately, you're right. It happens. It gets to a point where, you know, they hit those teenage years, 13, 14, 15, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, that they are so burnt out that they can't achieve anything else. They just can't because they're so tired. They're so burnt out from the sport. They quit the sport completely. They get into, they start to rebel, different things like that start to happen. So I think it's, it's a very good point in that um, it's great. It's healthy to push our kids to be competitive Mm -hmm. and want to achieve, but over pushing them and, and almost living through their eyes. You know what I mean? That kind of mentality as a parent is so detrimental to them, um, especially when they start to become older and start to understand what's really going on. Um, and, and I'm sure for you, just being that young boy, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you kind of felt that at some point, not so much from your own parents, but just the, just the fact that you had to keep up with everything moving around you to, to try to compete. Yeah. I mean, my dad was my coach in baseball. Uh, my dad played national level. So did I going up. Um, we, I mean, at 15, 16, my, me and friends have been scouted in South Africa from, um, from the American scouts coming over. I was good in South Africa. I was an American scout quality good. Um, but um, so, yeah, so there was a lot of that to keep up. And then there was the added pressure that my, my dad's the coach. Um, but my dad's an old military man. So he was like, hey, I'm the coach. Therefore, everyone's going to sue me in the team because you're the coach. Therefore, you're going to have to be twice as good as expected for me to even pick you. Um, and But he he installed a way in the sense of if you perform and do it, you will have the opportunity. But one of the big things that he did as a coach, um, because of uh, my boy, I coach sport now. So I've, I've I've started coaching sort of last four or five years since my my son and my daughter were young enough in the teams and taken up. But one of the big things that he did is, um, as much as it was still competitive in South African win, he still ensured that there was this caring, almost parent nature to it. So I remember growing up as a teenager. So he coached, the last time he coached me, I would have been 16 or 17. So you're talking oh, 20 plus years ago. But he installed, he made a safe zone um, for the kids growing up there now. So my dad, that's uh, getting close to 70. When he gets a birthday, I get the friends back in South Africa calling me up and going, hey, how's coach doing? And they still call him coach to this day. They still talk about the stories because as much as, 
he pushed to become better in the team. He still gave that safe zone of, hey, um, I'm sort of, uh, I'm still caring about you and looking after you. Um, and that's a lot of what I try to do with what my with my own teams that I coach. My boy, obviously, being in New Zealand, where they're not very big on being competitive at a young age. So I go there wanting to really push the teams and the parents look at me and go, hold on, you're a bit too aggressive for my liking. That's why the parents that are still with me have been with me from day one, and they totally understand that. But I, I built a good enough relationship up um, uh, with the kids that the kids come over. My my dad's actually joined me now this year. Um, oh, that's cool. And he's coached, and he's now coaching with me soccer. So it's my dad, myself, and my son. Um, must we coach my son's soccer team? So three generations together, and the boys come over to um, to my dad to to grandpa. And they give him a hug and everything. So it builds, again, that whole safe zone as much as we're pushing. And I think sometimes that's where it's lacking. So you have that, I want to be better or I want to push the team. But on the one side, it's, oh, I want to push the team at all costs right. and with no understanding of the child compared to, hey, I want to push the team, but I'm also I'm going to give them a safe space to fail and I'm going to support them when they fail. And that's sort of that missing delta. And that's where you see the the unique stories of the coaches that make a difference. If you go and look at all the ESPN 3030 coaches that they followed through baseball or gridiron over in America, the difference was that that coach had full respect with the the the, the people in the team compared mm -hmm. to only having one linear focus of driving to success. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that's exactly, I mean, how I coached was mm -hmm. I listen, I'm one of the most competitive coaches on, yeah. on the field or on the sideline. I coached yeah. ba base basketball in my later years, but yeah. I'm one of the most competitive coaches out there. Um, I, I want to win that. And I want to encourage <laughs> yeah. the players that they, they want yeah. to win. Right. But I'm not a win at all co cost yeah. coach. If it mm -hmm. means, you know, something, an impact on my players, a negative impact on my players, yeah. I can, I, I don't care what the score says. Yeah. As long yeah. as my players, I've always told my players, as long as you give a hundred percent effort, mm -hmm. you're out there giving it everything that you got. And if the score doesn't go our way, then it wasn't mm -hmm. our day. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I can take that. What I can't take as a coach is if you're not giving a hundred percent, you're mm -hmm. not giving your best effort. You're, you're what they would say, half asking it right yeah. through, through the game or the practice and we lose, then I'm going to be upset because I know that you could have given more. So yeah. I, that was that competitive side of me that pushed them. But again, not to the point where it's detrimental to the player, a player always could come up to me and talk to me if they had a feeling mm -hmm. or an issue that they were dealing with, they could always come up and talk to me. I had players reach out to me after they graduated high school yeah. And that were that were lost and didn't know what to do with their life and would call me up and say, hey, I just need some guidance. And I would and I would help them through it. Those kind of things are great. I've, I've been at dinner with my wife and had players that were waiters or waitresses <laughs> at the at the restaurant come up to me and go, coach, I haven't <laughs> seen you forever. How you been? I'm like, wait a minute you're a waiter here. What? Like what's going on? I'm old now. Yeah. Uh, so no, those kind of things are great. And all my players still call me coach. It's just natural. They yeah. just all still call me coach, but there was that separation too. with my sons, mm -hmm. with my sons, they knew that when I was on the field or on the, on the basketball court, I wasn't dad anymore. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't come to me as dad. I was coach and they had to respect that. And they did yeah. when we got in the car and we were on our way home, then the dad hat goes back on yeah. and I can be their dad again. Um, so I'm really, I'm really proud of you, dude. That's awesome that you're coaching <laughs> now with your, 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 your kids, your boy, and uh, yep. you got your dad involved. That's cool. Yeah. yeah uh, the, 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 the coach dad one's a real interesting one. Um, again, my dad installed that on me, uh, when I was at baseball, it was the same thing. When I'm at the field, I'm coach. 
So I called I called my dad coach through all my all my time when we were at the sports field, and obviously as soon as we left, it was dad. Uh, my boy, obviously, just turning eleven now. Um, you know, so I've been coaching him football or soccer, as you call it. What it be uh, four or five years I've been going it, and then only in the last couple of years, maybe last year and this year, because obviously at seven or eight they can't really comprehend it. I said to him, understand that when we here, I'm coach, and then and dad, because a lot of times he would come over to me uh, wanting dad on the field mm-hmm. and wanting right. to have that interaction, right? right? And I'm like, hey, I can't be dad right now. I've got to be coach. Um, and that's the sort of stuff of what happens is it's a, it's a real interesting dilemma as with a young kid. But I think there's a really good learning there that if the kid, if you can teach a young kid to have that separation or, or understanding that at this situation, this is what the person is, because then it teaches them as they get older in their teens going, hey, a person at home could be like this, but at work they're like this, and in a different social situation they're like this, and, and can understand the, the 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 separation or what they need to understand, so they can understand how to interact, um, and so really good social skills to knowing of, hey, I can't interact with some person the same way everywhere because the social interaction we're having right now not, not might not be suited for it. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, learning that learning to to separate or designate a person uh in the, in the area that you're in or the environment that you're in mm-hmm. knowing who they are and how to respond um is crucial especially when you're coaching sports so any dads mm-hmm. out there if you're coaching and you're on that field or, or court or whatever and your son or daughter is playing they are your player they are not yeah. your son or daughter they are not your starting player they are not your captain unless they've earned it yeah that is 100 percent the way you have to run things. Otherwise you lose the respect of your players and you lose the respect of the players' parents that Correct. are on that team. So um, keep that separation in check for you as parents. And uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. that that's me getting off my high <laughs> horse. Um, so anyways, uh, so you've got, I mean, you've got a son and a daughter now that are mm-hmm. uh, in those teenage years or about to be in those teenage years. I know there's a lot of challenges that parents face when they have kids that are going through those teenage struggles or those challenges mm-hmm. um, with the different mentally, uh, physically, emotionally, the different things that they're going through. Give me some key points or advice that you could help parents out with that you may be going through yourself uh, and having to navigate through. What advice would you give to parents that are having, that have teenagers that they're kind of struggling with right now? Um. So again, if you think of my upbringing um, in South Africa, you know, where it was go, you had to perform, you had to do everything I, I do a hundred miles an hour. And then coming over to New Zealand and raising my kids here with culturally, it's not like that. It's a lot more relaxed and um, it's one of the most uh, like calm countries in the world. Um, it was funny, I was talking to someone um, that it's almost like everything's 10 years behind. Like mm. um, in South Africa, you want to be married in your 20s. In New Zealand, you want to be married in your 30s. Mm. Uh, you know, you want to start a business in your 20s. Yeah, you want to start your business in 30s. And you, everything's just a lot more calm and stuff like that. So I've had to um, learn a lot of that, unfortunately, um, with my own kids going, okay, let's go. It's push, 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 push. And going, well, it's not actually as much as needed. Um, real big learnings uh, from me, um, from my kids is, I've got a real strong-minded daughter. She's very much a, a carbon copy of myself, real uh, strong-minded and stubborn and everything else. So I had to learn that a hard way that she will, <laughs> you know, she will fight back or bite back and things like that. Um, but also trying to learn the things uh, picking up from her is a lot of times she doesn't understand 
why it's that way or um we learn you know like doesn't understand why i feel that way or um I, i'm not happy at the moment or why i'm not happy at the moment and it's just being able to pick up from that and saying okay do you you know is anything wrong anything we do no um i just want to you know be left alone like i went out on on the weekend and she said hey i'm gonna have an introvert day and i'm like what do you mean she goes i just want to be alone today um quiet and we went to a party with 20 kids and she sat by herself Dead quiet. Um, she was um, first on a device, and then she was drawing. She loves um, doing drawing and animation. That's sort of one of her future things she would love to do. I'm um, doing that, and I was actually struggling with it because I'm like, hey, she's not been, she's not interacting socially, right? So I contacted my wife and said, hey, is what's going on? She she needs to be a social butterfly. As parents, <laughs> we want our kids to be social butterflies, right? And she said to me, she goes, Lawrence, she's happy. She's not being naughty. She's not upset. She's not making anyone else upset. Um, just let the child be. Um, and yeah, and then left her 20, 30, half an hour later, some kids came over to come and hang out. And But that's the sort of stuff picking up as as new teen parents. I would say that like my, you know, 14 and 11 is, is sometimes they want to do stuff just because they want to do it. And you might not think it's what they need to do, but as long as they're not hurting someone, they are happy and they are content. Um just let them do it. Mm. Yeah, no, uh, that's interesting. I, I would have been in the same position as you, Lawrence. I would have yeah. been like, what? Okay, there's something got to be going on with her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some, like some, something's bothering her or yep. she's got an issue she's trying to work through. Yep. And I, I would have been the same way. I'd have been like calling my wife going, what's <laughs> going on? What do we do? Because yeah. this is this is unusual. Um, yeah. yeah, where I think where I think it, it can get... Um, to a situation where you need to maybe address it is if it's uh, happens a lot mm -hmm. because then you're looking at signs of depression mm. uh, or anxiety, um, yeah. stress, things like that. So if it's a regular thing where it's happened almost daily, yeah. um, then it's an issue. Or like you said, where she's lashing out, misbehaving mm -hmm. uh, or um, harming herself or others, yeah. you know, those kind of things. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where it's, we need, but I, I agree with your wife. I think if, look, she's a good kid, she's got mm -hmm. a good head on her shoulders. She just wants to be alone and just kind mm -hmm. of, in a sense, meditate, right? She yep. just kind of wants to be alone and meditate with her thoughts and her drawings and all that stuff. And she's not doing any harm then. Mm -hmm. And she's good, healthy, natural. She's not, it's not stressed out about, I mean, yeah, then I guess, all right, we'll let her be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, if you look back at it as, as an adult, you go, I wish I could just sit alone and do nothing, right? Right. But, 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 but at that moment, I'm like, that's not what should be doing, right? We should, we need to always be, and this is unfortunately again, as like I said, that mindset in Safco, it's always, hey, you got to be, you got to be progressing forward. Hey, you got to be doing more. You got to be um, evolving and and growing, and and that's for me, um, personally, uh, that's sort of the hardest things I've got to learn. Um, where my wife the whole time. Or, Multiple times a week, unfortunately, because Lawrence just like slow down, like calm down. It's perfectly fine. It's you know perfectly normal because I want to see this 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 quick shuffle. Um, and then I know at one stage I'm mean, gonna want to see this quick shuffle, and then I want to turn around and go, I just want to see my kid again because you you've got this dilemma of hey, you want to see progress, but not realizing that if you push progress too much, you literally push the kid to become a young adult, and then the kid's gone, right? Right. Um, and animation uh, the your imagination is the biggest thing that remained that keeps you as a kid. 
So one of the things that we do in in my household um to try and keep our kids kids as long as possible, my daughter uh, and my son, is we have very big Disney family here. Um, we love our Disney. Uh, we love our Disney and animation movies. Um, so we will. We've done the theme parks overseas in Florida. I've traveled and gone over to Australia with these big ones there as well. So we will sit down and have animation movie nights, or we'll go to still go to the cinemas and watch all of those. My son's getting into Marvel. Uh, we'll go to um, the Comic Con in New Zealand. So we call oh, it Armageddon. Cool. So so my kids will get up into cosplay. So we keep the fantasy as well as long as possible. Um, and I said it was super cute um, on the weekend. We went to a shop and uh, my daughter had won a, a plushie, you know, a soft toy out of a crawl machine. Um, so, and then Saturday, Friday or Saturday night, I went and checked on the kids and she was asleep and she was still cuddling. You know, it was this 14-year-old girl that wants to be cool. She was still cuddling the soft little toy. So I went to the wife and I said, hey, that's, to me, that's still really special because it still shows, hey, she's not... As much as in public she doesn't want to be seen like with a plushie per yeah. se, she still feels like she can cuddle and um, and have a, a soft toy with her when she sleeps. Yeah, that's cool. And I'll make sure to cut that part out of the podcast so that way <laughs> she or her friends or whatever don't see it. Right? Oh no, she's 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 <laughs> nah, she's all good like that and uh, and all the rest. That's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, anything that you can do together, like you said, as a family, if you guys all enjoy it and it then it you guys all have that same similarity where you guys keep it, you know, within the family, you guys enjoy it. You guys love to spend time together doing those things, then keep doing it as long as you can. Even, yeah. you know, when they start to become those older teens that were into early adulthood. Um, that's really, that's really cool. Uh, awesome. Um, now when you're, when you're talking, I mean, you got podcasts right now. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that. And, and do your kids know about your podcast? Do they know how it works and all that kind of stuff? I mean, cause I've had my boys on my show. Yeah. Um, so my kids are well aware. Um, my both my so at the moment I'm currently building my dream family home. So um, about actually fifty yards that way. So I'm just in a property next door at the moment. So I'll be setting up a new studio there. Um, even though I use a different studio when I record my own show, but that'll actually be for them. Um, they both want to be YouTubers, as most teenage kids want to be, right? <laughs> they both want to produce content. So my daughter's actually got a YouTube channel that I started many years ago and it's still bigger to this day than my own social media brand oh, she, wow. had she had she had she had merch that sold and she had a, a big channel i think it was three and a half or four thousand subscribers on youtube uh uh you know a good few hundred thousand views and stuff like that so they they're well aware of um content and and the podcast scene i mean i at one stage i even did an episode specifically just for my family it was totally against my niche um i had daniel ross um the guy that voices donald duck mm -hmm. um i had him on the show so my podcast to anyone out there is fundamentally sort of business uh business property and a little bit of social media in it that's sort of where where i sit so having a a voiceover actor for Disney on my podcast was totally like um, not the right ones, but that one was close to the family. So I actually got my kids. They loved it. I got my kids to give me questions and I actually asked questions through the episode from my kids. And I asked friends of my kids, did you want to ask Donald Duck some questions? And we, and we added this into the episode. So they absolutely loved it. Um, so how would I say nice driving up my views for 14 and 15 odds to go and watch a question that they asked on a podcast. Right. So, um, but yeah, they well aware of the, of the podcast and everything else um, at the moment and, uh, and the content creation side. 
That's that's awesome. Uh, that how cool is that? Uh, very cool. I, yeah, I mean, if you're my, my son started his, started a podcast just a few months ago. Uh, it's on sports. He's all about yeah. you know. My, both my boys are all into sports, and and he, my younger son, uh, he can tell you every sports statistic player mm -hmm. he knows their history like he has just this insanely amount of knowledge sports knowledge and he just taught it's called the never lost podcast and he just mm -hmm. talks about upcoming things that are taking place whether they're trades or uh you know how a team's going to look in a certain situation he just he gives off uh, you know it's about 20 minutes or so each episode and he just gives off random information about the various sports and yeah. it's really cool and now he did that I believe I like to take a little bit of credit. He did that because of my show. And he knows yeah. how, you know, my show has been going now for three years. He knows uh, that I enjoy it. He knows it's a lot of fun. So he tried it out and he actually mm -hmm. enjoys doing it. So um, really, really cool. I can't believe your daughter's uh, out scoring you on the YouTube <laughs> space side. That's awesome. That's got to be a proud dad moment, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, yeah. I, I was waiting for the sort of, right? I'm still, I'm working this three, I'm working this three years trying to go like full time across my social media brand and my business side of things. And I still can't catch um but well, she's uh, got to like interview you on her youtube then. oh yeah so we're gonna yeah so she's we haven't done anything in a good few months so we're waiting for the new studio and then she's gonna pivot from uh, just her channel is called mia's adventures so she did daily adventures we formed all our theme parks and she did like a big stint of a, a minute in my life every day for like 60 days so we did all of the stuff and it just and it just grew up in that and obviously because it's to anyone um any parent either because it's a kid specific channel it automatically gets distributed to kids as well compared to my social media channel um i don't say because on my show um sometimes the, the language is unfolded and some of the topics are a little bit edgy and on the point i don't say my content is made for kids kids can consume it but automatically it means that i don't get i'm not like mr beast that gets automatically right. pushed to the billions of kids right? right um and just as a just as a, a as a note to any parent or someone that's listening or watching that's thinking about content don't think I can say my content safe for kids on YouTube specifically and have edgy or on the line piece of content because one person complains and they'll shut you down. They won't even care. They'll be like, sorry, you said it was safe for kids and you spoke about violence or guns or you swore or something like that. And they just, they just don't play around with that stuff. Well, let's dive into that a little bit, uh, Lawrence, because I know you have a lot of uh, knowledge as far as how the algorithms work, especially mm -hmm. with YouTube. Um, but, you know, parents, you know, they give their kids these tablets, especially younger kids. They yep. give these kids these tablets or iPhones or whatever to keep them occupied yep. because the parent's so busy on something else. Here, just take my iPhone and play with it. And they yep. go on YouTube and kids don't know what they're looking up. They just mm -hmm. start playing around with different things and watching funny videos and stuff, but it actually can impact the algorithm and what they see and view and can actually be detrimental to them as far as their viewing, what the things that they're witnessing. hundred um, percent. The strongest I know in America, the, the American community is per se is not a big fan of TikTok. Let's just say that. I know the government's looking at it because they're worried about it being Chinese owned, but let's say, um, in uh, in the content viewing for parents for kids at the moment, you got three you got three sort of big places. You got the TikTok game, you got the YouTube Shorts, which is exactly the same as TikTok. It's just the YouTube version. So my son, that's where he watches his content. My daughter, being fourteen, um, I've said to her she can she can go on the TikTok side. Um, and then you've obviously got the Instagram Reels, which you don't really find kids as much on because it's not as cool, but it's fundamentally similar content. 
the algorithms are 100% correct can pick you up. TikTok is the strongest algorithm, I believe, at the moment that it can pick up your your views, your opinions within a couple of minutes. Um, so if you if you got TikTok right now and you go and search um, the data podcast and podcasting and go and search, spend five minutes just searching these content within a couple of hours, that's all that you're going to see on your feed. Right. Um, the, the algorithm is so strong because it, um, it picks up what you're looking at, how long you're looking at it and everything else. And that's how it works. YouTube Shorts and Instagram um, is the similar. I just don't feel that it is as strong. So it means it doesn't kick in as quickly. Um, it takes a bit of time of continuous longer watching at the moment. The reason why YouTube per se at the moment I've, uh, I've seen and a bit of research I've done is not as strong and looking in. They've actually got a big problem in the YouTube world that they've got long form content that we do. And then you've got the real short form content that your YouTubers and the TikTok stars and they do, and they can't get the algorithm to, you can't use the same algorithm for the same, for the two different contents. And they haven't been able to build a separate one. So on TikTok, it is only short form content. It's right. a one algorithm for one platform. For YouTube side, it's two sides of the business and they're still struggling on that one. But fundamentally to your question and your, your note, it is, Kids can go down there and can go down a rabbit hole without you even realizing. So if you do have young kids, um, let's say, I would say even 11, 10 or younger, you do get something called YouTube for Kids, which is fundamentally, uh, it's a YouTube app. Um, it is uh, it is only YouTube videos that are safe and marked as for kids and for kids only. So they can't search non-kid related content. So good few years, this was the only apps my kids could have access to from content viewing. But that, that's good to know. And uh, I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't know that there was, you know, a format on YouTube where you, you can structure it to where your kids will only pick up kid uh, mm. content or kid friendly yeah. uh, information or content. Uh, that's good to know. I do agree with you when it comes to the uh, TikTok reels, yep. too. But I don't see a lot of based on my experience and, you know, just hearing and being around my boys and all that kind of stuff. Instagram is just kids aren't as active on Instagram as they used to be. It's more, you know, driven towards mm -hmm. social media people and influencers and things yep. like that. Kids are real prevalent or active on TikTok or even Snapchat uh, yep. is another big one. Um, but I do agree. What were you going to say? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. You just mentioned a Snapchat. Yeah. So Snapchat wasn't, was in play a good few years ago, but it's sort of, it's, it's still there. It's fallen off the boat. Yeah. So, so Snapchat does have a TikTok version. I can't remember the official term for it. So, um, so again, it's another place for people to sit, but it, again, it depends on the age of the kids. So you'll, you're, I would always find that it's more TikTok um, and then sort of YouTube, um, YouTube short side is where, is where the kids sort of the hover, and then on Snapchat, Snapchat's a little bit there as well, but that's, I think, slowly going backwards from what I can see. Yeah, um, I, 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 but I, the whole point in all this is, and, I, and I'm glad that we kind of stumbled our way onto the social media side mm -hmm. of things with our kids, because the whole point of it is, hey, it's okay to let your kids look at streaming devices. Mm -hmm. they, they can be productive things to play with or see yep. or look at. There could be productive things to do with those things. However, on the flip side of it, as parents, you should always monitor what your kids are doing because mm -hmm. even you, you're, you may have, I mean, your daughter's a superstar. She's a great young lady, mm -hmm. but if you're not monitoring what, how do you know she's not looking at stuff that she shouldn't be yep. looking at? Right. So as parents, 
same thing. I, my kid's a rock star. He gets straight A's. He's, I mean, he, he's just a really good kid. Never gets into trouble. It doesn't mean he's not looking at stuff. He shouldn't be looking yep. at You still need to monitor. You're not being overprotective. Yep. You just want to protect them. Yep. Yeah. So there's something like, there's also something else. So again, depending on our parents have in their household got the IT set up. So you either, um, you'll have your, um, your Wi-Fi provider. So you might just have a connect. I'm going to go real simple with the explanation here. You might just have your Wi-Fi connected to your house, to a router and everyone connects to that. And there's no control application, right? That controls how the Wi-Fi is distributed. We can connect. Um, and then you might get something like Google Wi-Fi, which is um, and it's a couple of access points, and it gives you an app to control the entire house's Wi-Fi. So you can control who's on there, who's not on there. You can set up all rule sets. You can set up timestamps. You can actually kick devices off. So depending on where parents sit. So on the application side of things, um, you with these with the, the the better versions, you can actually implement stuff like Google Safe Search. Um, there's a product called Google Safe Search that people mm -hmm. don't, a lot of parents don't realize is, and it brings in a kid safe searchability on Google. So it doesn't block stuff. It just prevents kids from searching the adult stuff, um, the R18 stuff, the violent stuff. Um, you can't you can't search that. So you can type it in, just nothing will come back. Google Safe Search will um, prevent that coming through. So, um, so yeah, so that could be put on either on a laptop. You can have it switched on in the settings. You can have it switched on the application that's controlling your Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of products out there. I can imagine in America, there's a vastly more products oh, yeah. that you can implement. But parents need to just realize that actually those things do exist. Right. Um, I'm, so I'm not saying install something on your kid's phone so you can stalk and watch what I'm saying is put a holistic rule set across the household or the umbrella or whatever it is doing to uh, ensure that they're not doing going way outside the box. Right. No, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You don't want to um, be uh, a helicopter parent. You don't want to yep. be, you just don't want to stalk your parent, your, your kids to a point where now they're going to start to, and kids can be sneaky. They can mm -hmm. learn ways to get around things. Um, you don't want to cause them to have to go down those roads. So what you're talking about are, and this may be, some parents may not be technically savvy to figure this yep. stuff out, but it's actually very easy to do. Yep. It, you can you can Google the stuff and learn about it or purchase software yep. that, that can help you with it or even through Google. Uh, there's a, It's very, very simple to do. Um, so yeah, awesome. I'm glad we talked about that because that's super important. Uh, very yep. good. Um, Lawrence, before I let you go, uh, my listeners want to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, more about your podcast, more about the things you're doing. Best place for them to do that, my friend. Um, so I exist on literally, I believe, every single social platform out there. So my, uh, Lawrence Lots, if you Google, you drop me into your social channel, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Snapchat TikTok, uh, even trying to do something on Twitter. Uh, but wherever you are, you can find me and reach out. Uh, I'm mostly, I'm most active across Instagram and LinkedIn um, at the moment, um, as those are my my platforms that I focus on. I'm trying to grow for the next couple of months. Um, so reach out to me there and I'm always available for a chat or discussion or any questions or queries. Um, I love I love interacting with people. So don't be shy and reach out. Awesome. Well, listen, Lawrence, I, I appreciate our friendship, brother. I appreciate uh, what you're doing, the, the dad that you are, the businessman that you are, uh, the things that you're doing on your podcast and your show. I just, I love it, man. Uh, I learned a lot from you just through our social media interactions. I learned a lot from you and I, I just appreciate our friendship. Thank you very much for being on today. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. 
Well, guys, listen, you want to check out Lawrence, see what he's doing, check out his podcast, make sure you subscribe to it. Um, he is very truthful in what he says. He's very active uh, on his social media platforms and he will respond. If you send him a message, you have a question about things, you need some help, even in real estate, you need some help in those areas. He's more than willing to answer his questions, answer the questions. He's very active on there. So make sure you guys are checking out what he's doing. He's got a great following, uh, very, very successful YouTube channel and podcast. Um, so I highly recommend you check him out. He's been a good friend of mine and he's, he's encouraged me a lot and helped me along the ways with my YouTube stuff as well. So um, thank you again to my good friend, Lawrence. And as always, if you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel or my podcast, please make sure you do that so you don't miss important guests like Lawrence on my show each and every week. So uh, thank you guys very much for being here. Thanks once again to my good friend, Lawrence. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Wow, another amazing episode in the books. So much was shared and I'm truly grateful my guest was able to pour into you to help you elevate your dad game and really dad up. Make sure you bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And while you're here, please don't forget to leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate the feedback. Also, did you know you can watch the video interview of this episode? You can by simply going to my YouTube channel at Dad Up Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to my channel. And one last thing, don't forget, your role as a dad is one of the most important roles you have. So if you need a little help or have questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my website at daduptribe.com or at my Instagram page at daduppodcast. Until next time, everyone, dad up.